It didn't even dawn on me that climbing was so white because I was just used to being in white spaces. And then there are no black people here, Devin. I would see maybe another black climber when I was at the gym. I would see more Asian people than I would see black people. The only black climbers I knew were myself, Kai Leitner, and I lost my mind when I met him at a competition. And that was the first time that I had climbed outside with another black woman. I just want to get more of us in here so first off, I can be comfortable because I really cannot stand seeing just myself at these competitions. Of course, I'd love to see, love to see more black people climbing. But not everybody's going to be able to like feel comfortable or safe or welcomed in that environment. It's no surprise to me in my personal or professional life to many times be the only person of my demographic in the room. What up, y'all? Welcome to the American Climbing Project. I am your host, Devin Dabney. And to quote Lenizi, I'm going to keep it black, but I'm going to keep it brief. Some of y'all might know from past episodes, our topic this season is racism's effect on climbing. But today is special because this episode exclusively features black voices. Today, it's all black everything, baby. Black climbers, black music, black cover art. Did I mention we center in black voices today? Yes, yes, I know for the climbing industry, this is a difficult concept to grasp. I mean, where do we even find black climbers other than Kai Leitner and Megan Martin? I'm sure you have lots of questions, but for now, let's take 20 minutes to pause, tune in, and just listen. And as you steep yourself in the silky sonic experience that is the best climbing podcast out there, all I ask is you remember three things. One, these are all black voices. Two, we are not a monolith. And three, white people, whatever you hear, take it home, but don't take it personal because it's not about you. I have a picture of me like harness on I, on the boulder wall. Picture, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, you know, uh, you know, four points on four different routes. I mean, yeah. you know, lock it off for no reason. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> totally, totally stupid stuff. But then, but I had a good time, right? And I, and I didn't really think anything of it, just that we were there having fun with my friends. Yeah. You know, on the on the grand scale, though, like you know, I, I live in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a it's a it's a pretty homogenous culture and it's no surprise to me in my personal or professional life to many times be the only person of my demographic in the room. Yeah. So, going to the climbing gym was just normal business. Yep. Same same <laughs> here. That's a that's such a huge thing. Like cuz I think a lot of the struggle like even when we talk about sports being on an Olympic platform, if you don't see people that look like you doing it, you literally can't see yourself doing it, you know, where, but if you're used to that, then it doesn't bother you. And like, I think actually it was one of your stories that that kind of showed me how significant that is when I think you told me about a friend that brought his teacher friends, yeah. like three black guys to the climbing gym and they were shocked because they weren't, they weren't yeah. used to being around all white people. So yeah. I think that you and I both share that, that advantage, I suppose, of already being exposed to being the only minority, and mm-hmm. because of that, it didn't bother us. But I bet you, I, I, I would, I'd be so curious to know how many black people came to a climbing gym for the first time and just didn't stay because there were there's no one there that looked like them. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's isolating at times to uh, to um, you know, as much as I talk about as being normal, I've also 
heard it from other people or even the inverse. So uh, I won't, uh, I guess I'll out my wife a little bit on this, but uh, you know, er, my wife's white, if you, for those, those, those who don't know, but uh, when we go to say my family events, yeah, you know, that it, it's not, uh, it's not outrageous for her to be the only white person there because yeah. you know, it's my family, right? So if we're at, you know, Thanksgiving with the Glovers or, you know, Christmas with the Glover family, then <laughs> yeah. weddings or something like that, you know, she could be the only white person there. And, and she's like, Oh, this, a little awkward. And I'm like, oh, it's a little awkward, huh? You know, <laughs> Word. <laughs> welcome to my life, you know, yeah. Midwestern white girl. But uh, but then um, but that uh, you know the day to day that uh, I would say you know a lot of times white people don't always know what that experience is like to be the only one of your demographic in a room. And there's been actual you know research on this where um, I forget the exact reference and I'd have to look it up. But my you know, my my general memory of it was that. A, uh, a company tried to diversify their sales team. Mm -hmm. And so what they did was they hired a series of, uh, of, of, of females mm -hmm. and then they uh, put them in each office. Mm -hmm. and, and they found that they weren't that successful. And so yeah. they, they called in some you know, researcher to analyze. It. And the researcher said, well, it wasn't that you, you, didn't, you didn't hire good women and you didn't train them well, but you by putting them in the different sales offices by themselves, you isolated them. Yeah. And so if you, because if you're the only one of your demographic in the room, it's isolating. Mm -hmm. That you, you're, you're going to provide a unique perspective. There's going to be a lot of groupthink that opposes what you have to say. Uh, yeah. Even more so, you may, just, you may not be accepted by the other group, which is going to reinforce their opinions. And so what you needed to do instead was, say, hire three or four um, women, but instead of putting them in three or four different sales teams, put them on the same team together, and then they can support one another. Yeah. And, and, and so, the, so I guess once they did that, that actually found that their women became more successful salespeople because they had female support in on the same team. Yeah. So I think that's go to a climbing gym. If you go there and you're the only one of your demographic, you know. It's a little awkward. I mean, I, I'd say that women say the same thing, right? Yeah. That sometimes women climbing with a group of men can be isolating. It can be. It can be. It can be challenging. And you know, if that's the that's the that's the experience challenge. So even if you make the choice of coming to the climbing gym, if you are the only one of your demographic, then um, then that could be isolating. Even if there's nothing amiss, there's no issue. I don't see a lot of people that look like me climbing day to day. Because a lot of gyms are in gentrifying areas, so they need to be doing things like community outreach. You have to change the environment too. They have to know that they're not going to be put in danger when they show up to these spaces. And create space for, you know, black and brown kids to be able to come and participate. One thing I keep hearing uh, about climbing is people saying like, I just want to be able to come to the climbing gym and not worry about race and not worry about politics and stuff. Black people already think that, but they don't have a choice. Like, they don't get to not be Black. Their existence is political. I think it's going to take a while to change. It's going to be a slow process that we're going to be forever working on. But, like, I also don't know, because I'm also trying to, like, actively bring more brown people to my gym. But I think it all really comes down to thinking, like, more broadly, because Honestly, race affects every single facet of every single thing. Um, so any way in which to combat like those racial issues are then going to be reflected back in the things that we love to do. My mom's white. I grew up 
adjacent to white society, you know, like I grew up being the only, you know, black person in white spaces. Like that was my upbringing, but it wasn't that it wasn't obvious or I didn't feel that, you know? Um, so when I, I got invited by a couple friends and I like met them there, but like, as soon as I walked in, it was like one, because I'm in Atlanta. So I was no longer the only black person anywhere, anywhere in Atlanta, which was amazing. Like my kids had black teachers, like all of these things. Like, I was like, Oh my God, yes, this is amazing. So it was such a stark contrast from going anywhere else in Atlanta to going to a climbing gym in Atlanta and being the only black person in that gym. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? For, and for it's like that on like any given day, like I can still be the only black person in that gym. I gotta, I gotta be honest. That's really yeah. shocking to hear. In I Atlanta, was, in I Atlanta, was certain, I was gonna ask you, like, I'm surely there's a lot more black people that climb at Stone Stone Atlanta. No, no. <laughs> I am dead wrong, apparently. And I mean, I'm obviously not going to the gym right now, COVID and such, whatever. Um, and you know, my right. own grievances. Um, but yeah, I mean, they would still like there would be groups of black individuals that would come in, you know, for like events or things and such like that. But like consistently one, maybe two, like if me and Brandon were in the gym at the same time, it was like, holy crap. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. This is like fucking mind blowing to me. <laughs> like I'm trying to, I'm trying to and understand. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you think you would think, um, <laughs> But no, <laughs> if you can't find black people there, like, and you know what, like, like blows my mind is probably like when they film their like problem of the week video or they like have to like take like they're probably like, where's the like, we just don't have any black people. It's so hard to find black. Cli-. And it's like, dude, like, why don't you just take step outside? <laughs> yeah. like, oh, like, oh, my God. Like, what is that? Dom? like, how how can you how can it's you not, have- it's not like a like Right. So when you don't feel represented in a space or you don't feel welcomed in a space, you're not like, I would be hesitant to bring my black friends to the climbing gym here in Atlanta. Really? Cause it just wouldn't feel like from my own experience, like there's like our staff predominantly white, the owners are white, upper level management, all white, like, <laughs> There's not a lot of community outreach in order to diversify, like, the people that are climbing there. Like, it's just, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you told me that they were doing any community outreach, I would be like, that, that either is a lie or they are. <laughs> because how could you, if you do any, like, literally any community outreach like i feel like atlanta is like one of the blackest cities in the country i could be wrong no i think it is (laughs) and if you can't get black people in a climbing gym in the blackest city in the like how do you i'm sorry like this is (laughs) you really like threw me for a loop with this i'm like i'm over here trying to like but it's great because it just illustrates how barriers aren't always about location either because you would think that like oh if you just put a climbing gym in a black neighborhood or a black city surely black people will come climb right yeah no 
not correct. <laughs> so, and like, my first time there, I walked in and I didn't see another black person the entire time I was there. And that's a big ass gym. It's like, a big ass gym. Like, this isn't, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I talked with someone the other day that's from Atlanta and mm-hmm. I was like, I was speechless because they told me that they go to Stone Summit Atlanta and they are usually the only black person there. What is and I know. And, and I'm like, <laughs> if you can't get black what? folks in your function at Atlanta, I don't really know what to tell <laughs> you. <laughs> I don't know. I was just no. so shocked. And, and you know, the, the reason that I was shocked is because I... The gyms that I've climbed at have been in predominantly white areas, so I expect mm-hmm. it to be that way, you know. Right. Like, um, but but surely, like like I, I came into this conversation thinking like, yeah, like there's probably gonna, you know, it's probably half black, you know, maybe a quarter black because climbing's pretty white. But no, she was like, I, I'm the only black person there that, usually. That is <laughs> and, so upsetting to me and my homegirls. Also, just for myself, it's been um, a time where I've really been most comfortable with my identity as being a Black man. You know, I think that before I was so hesitant to step into it, not that I was like not comfortable being Black, but I just didn't really know what it, I didn't really know how to like embrace it and feel like really, um, like proud of it without feeling like I wasn't black enough, you know, to, to, I understand exactly how you feel. It's, it's tough unless you're hanging out with a crowd of other black people, you know, yes. because then there's that whole stupid thing of, Oh, you're not black enough because you do this activity. Yeah. And then you have to look at the historical part of that where, you know, we all think black people don't go outdoors. That's not true. Like we live down South. Yeah. We are outdoors. Kilimanjaro is in Africa. Yeah. Like, we do. It's just over here in America, like the whole point is to keep us from going. It's unsafe. There's these sundown towns. It's like, you know, we don't have access to the information to do it safely. We don't take time off of work to go do this stuff. Like I, I didn't realize, um, my dad had sat me down and asked me a question. He was like, let me ask you something. How many black people do you hang out with? And mm-hmm. I mentioned my, my best friend. And then I was like, Oh shoot. He's like, this is what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're venturing off into this whole other world. You're not around yours. Your values are changing. And he was right. They were. I started seeing things in a different light. I wasn't putting family first for a while. Like, just a whole different view of being a part of someone else's culture and being the only black person there. Yeah. You're like, when they don't understand where your views and your family comes from because they've never been in that situation. It's going to seem like, oh, you're the odd one out. You're thinking weirdly when really it's like two separate worlds. You're visiting that one, but you go home to yours. And I started like saying, you know what? That's true. Why am I the only black person here? I felt like that the whole time, but I thought there was something I could do about it. And I was like, well, I work at a gym now. Let me start bringing in people for free. So I would bring in any black friends I had who was interested and couldn't pay to the point where they were like, how many people are you going to start bringing in for free? Like, this this is a membership people should pay for. And I'm like, yeah, but it's too expensive. Who's going to pay 40 bucks for something they don't know if they like? 
talked about how there's this disassociation with your identity because you're so used to being a, the minority in the space that you you start to assimilate. Do you do you feel like climbing made that worse? And if so, like I'm just curious why you kept climbing even though you knew that this was like affecting you this way. Climbing definitely made it worse because in other institutions like university or when I worked at different jobs, there was always more of me or at least some more Spanish people there. So we could like, you know, bond in different kinds of ways and talk about different kinds of subjects that we could at least understand for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But I kept climbing because I got addicted to the sport. And even though it was like making me feel kind of singled out and lonely, the community itself doesn't do it on purpose. And the supportive mm-hmm. community behind the sport is unique. I haven't felt that kind of support anywhere else in like some kind of sport activity. I've always been an athlete growing up. I started out with track, then I got into volleyball, then I got into cheerleading, then I got into all this other stuff. But climbing is the only one where you don't need to be made of a particular build mm-hmm. to be able to do this kind of thing where everybody's competing with you. Like it's a team. You're competing with yourself. You can take your time about it. Like everybody's friendly mm-hmm. at a competition. Everybody wants everyone to do well. You're cheering for your competitors, and that's amazing. You know, I just felt like the climate community could be so much more inclusive. And if we could take care of that part, it would be perfect. Like, if we're gonna like strip it down to like nature doesn't discriminate or like the outdoors isn't racist, you're right. But like, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what makes up the outdoor industry or the outdoor community or like who we are and we're like what we do we're not arguing if the outdoors itself is racist we're arguing if like the people who took it from other people and have control over it are racist and, and, and that argument i just want to come and climb that breaks down when you're the only person arguing your belief system and no one looks like you or thinks like you. it's like okay yeah so we did this thing but the folks that come to our gym are still shit. It's like, there's no need for me to be like stared at or for people to come up to me like I haven't been climbing for 10 years or like, oh, this is how you do it. I know how to do it, bitch. Like, do you not see the aggressive shoes? Like, I know what I'm doing, you know? It's just so silly. I'm like, okay, goodbye. When people are like, the outdoors isn't racist or nature is a great equalizer, they are, they're, they're missing like perspective on it because they haven't had those experiences. And then now, as the person who looks totally different from everybody else, you now also have to express a different opinion. And and, and the reality is, is that you can't just come and climb. In one sense, that argument of do we really have to do things special or can we just do things? Can we just be nice to everybody? Mm-hmm. I think there's circumstances where that makes sense. Yeah. Right? You know, the, the, we don't need to have a special program. We just need to be, we just need to treat people equally. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the, the, the challenge with that, if you think about that universally, then you get into that. I don't see color realm, mm-hmm. which then uh, leads you down a, a wrong path. But at the same time, sometimes that is the answer to just treat people with basic decency. Yeah, like so, you would treat anyone else. Right. So if a white guy walked up or or even so let's say you walk up and I walk up, you know, are we going to do like a special handshake or are we going to be, <laughs> you know, are we, we going to just uh, just say, hey, how's it going? 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't. I, but that's the thing, and it's like, like I want them. I want people who ask that question and and are maybe a little salty about how we're making fun of you to think about it. Like, if you were a white person that went to a crag and there was all black people, and we were like. Nice to see your demographic out here. Nice to see a white guy. Like, how would that make you feel? My guess is that it would probably make you feel a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit more isolated than you already felt. Right. So it's like, hey, we recognize that you are unique here. Yeah. yeah you know, so, but yeah, just a simple hello, how's it going? Would, would probably be enough. That would. That I think so. And yeah, I think you're right that there's a. I could see where that discrepancy comes up of where how you get to I don't see color is because people like that probably would answer that question in the same way that we did of like you should just say hello to a black person the same way you would say hello or not say hello to a, a white person like if mm-hmm. if if you walk by a white person and you don't think to say hi why should you do that to a black person so that is a fair argument in that case but that doesn't mean that you can discount people's differences mm-hmm. You know, like it's it, it. Yeah. Like there's a difference. I don't know. Like you want to you don't want to treat someone better or worse than someone because of, uh, of their demographic. But you also don't want to ignore what makes people unique. But bringing somebody in that doesn't have that love of climbing just for them to experience the sport for the first time and be like, come into this white space that I can't guarantee is necessarily safe for you, that you won't feel like any kind of triggering emotions. Like I can't guarantee that. So that's like my hesitation. That would like, I have black friends that are like, oh yeah, let's go climb together. I'm like, I want to, and I really do. And like, I just don't want you to feel uncomfortable in that situation. And that sucks. They're not necessarily being like blatantly exclusive, but they're not trying to be inclusive deliberately. And that's the problem. What up, y'all? My name is Devin Dabney, and this has been episode six of the American Climbing Project and part two of our When You're Black on Belay series. I've got a few production credits for you, um, and I've also got some important news, so you probably want to stick around for this. First of all, this episode is entirely black, farm to table. All the music is mine. All the voices are black. And as always, this show has been produced by Rob Moore. As a lot of our veteran listeners know, the American Climbing Project isn't just a podcast. We have a website where we keep our blog. That's AmericanClimbingProject.com. And you'll also be able to find, in addition to our academic resources for you, lots of options to support us. You can support us with one-time donations on our website. You can also subscribe to our Patreon, which, speaking of our Patreon, I've got some good news for y'all and even better news if you're a patron already. The good news is that there is going to be a part three of this When You're Black on Belay series. And the great news for the patrons is that is going to be a Patreon exclusive episode. Yes, this is the first canon American Climbing Project episode that is just going to be on the Patreon. So if you really like what you just heard, there's going to be a follow up that's even better because it just will be. You'll just trust me on this one. Um 
But seriously, I please subscribe to the Patreon. Not only does it help us build this podcast, but we're trying to offer a lot of really cool content to make it worth your while. So just keep that in the back of your mind. I want to say a special shout out to our first sponsor, Gnarly Nutrition, and know that they don't ask us to do shout outs at all. They really just want to support us. So I am not doing this on somebody's dime. I'm doing it because I genuinely love them. I think they're so awesome. And they've just been really supportive and helpful as we've been trying to build this podcast out. So thank you guys. Seriously, you are great. One last thing, like always, we're looking for people to collaborate with on the daily. We're building things up for season two. We're trying to get interviews lined up, our crew potentially. So if you want to work with us and you got some ideas, now's the time to holler at us because we're getting things ready. (laughs) We don't stop. You know us. Um, All right. Well, until next time, hopefully you'll be with us when we play the next episode. But if not, I will catch you on the other side of the Patreon for our next episode in 2022. So thank you all. Peace.